0: Hello, welcome to Ona, Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Marsh Blaster, And I'm Carrie Poppy. Did that convince you? I didn't think so. I'm Carrie and I'm here by myself. And Ross actually went off to SciCon. That's a convention put on by the Center for Inquiry and the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. They have a bunch of science-themed speakers and uh, people who are experts in outreach and things like that every year. And Ross was there earlier this October and snagged this cool get of chatting with David Mickelson from Snopes. So, y'all have probably heard of Snopes, but it's a great website for fact-checking and source-monitoring, anything that you see on the internet. Well, since I didn't get to be there, I get to be here. Giving you this intro, I'll be back for the outro, and in between, I'll let you know who sponsored this episode. Who do you think it is? Who do you think? Exciting stuff. Here's Ross and David Mickelson.
1: Well, I'm very happy to have today David Mickelson... If you don't recognize that name, you will likely recognize the site that he created and runs. It's called Snopes, Snopes.com, and I think we all owe David a great debt of gratitude. Thank you, David. Thank you for being here.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for being on Ono oh Ross and Kerry today. It's just Ross and uh, and our friend Spencer and Charles. Uh, we're here at SciCon 2019. You've been to either this conference before or similar ones. Way back when, the amazing meeting
2: we used to go to.
1: I probably passed you in the hallways and had no idea that you were the one solving all of my online battles for me.
2: (laughs) Actually, I used to go with a friend of mine who lived here in Las Vegas and we thought, you know, it's kind of boring. It'd probably be more interesting to go to the other side and go to the UFO convention and the Bigfoot convention with the true believers. Oh,
1: you're talking my language. Well, that's what I do. This is yes. rare that I'm with the other skeptical crowd rather than the flat earthers or what have you. So maybe you'll want to join us on a future investigation or something. Let's tell our audience a bit about Snopes in case for some reason they don't know. I I don't know what Rocky have to hide under for the past (laughs) 25 years. Wow. Uh, To have not heard of Snopes. But yeah, you started in the year of the Lion King. That's how I see 1994. I see. Yeah. What got Snopes going? What started this?
2: I wish I could claim I had the foresight 25 years ago to recognize you know, this internet thing, fake news is going to be a big problem come the 21st century, so I'm going to get a head start on it. But no, I'm not really that visionary. Uh, it was just kind of a hobby that got out of control. I worked for a very large computer company, so we were kind of hooked into the internet before most people had heard of the internet uh, uh-huh. <laughs> back in the old Yeah, day.
1: 1994, that's yeah. the very early days. People are on Netscape.
2: Yeah, a navigator and <laughs> right back in the the Usenet news group days, so. and there
1: were no blogs even at that point. Nope. No search engines, no YouTube, yeah, no social media. Yeah, AltaVista and yeah. Dogpile. Right, I worked that... for the
2: company that made Alta Vista. You know. Oh, really? So yes. Okay,
1: um, I'm just letting people go back <laughs> situate yeah. themselves where they were in 1994. It's like
2: the Big Bang Theory episode where they're <laughs> doing favorite non-existent search engines, you know, in the past. But, <laughs> right. Um, I just sort of, I'd been involved in old news groups about urban legends and Disney and So when the first graphical browser came out from Mozilla, I sort of started writing up little Disney-related urban legends. Um,
1: Okay, this is kind of fun because Carrie, my co-host, her other podcast is called Hidden Mickeys, and she talks about the deep, seedy underbelly of Disney and uh, did a very good investigation of the rumors around Walt's head. It turns out he actually was interested in cryogenics, but he didn't have his head frozen or any part of him.
2: Actually, that was one of the first investigations we did. Started, really? Which was going out to Forest Lawn and actually photographing, you know, the burial site or at least the the marker there. For
1: anyone yeah. who wasn't uh, able to access California or Glendale, at least uh, give them a, a vision of, of his grave. Yeah, and
2: well, I sort of kiddingly was trying to round up people on the internet to, to hide in forest lawn overnight to (laughs) dig up the spot to see exactly what was
1: there. This is the deep kind of (laughs) investigative digging that Snopes does even before it's Snopes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, as I talked about uh, with you before, you know, kind of like figuring out a way to get into Club 33, which mm-hmm. was still a big mystery because it wasn't on the internet. And I just sort of, you know, the, the basketball court and the Matterhorn, all those sorts of things. Oh, yeah. I, I
1: have been in there.
2: All the, the hidden, supposedly hidden risque stuff in Disney movies. That's really where what Snope started as. And then... Uh, When I ran through all the Disney legends I could think of, I sort of branched out into different categories, and then uh, my wife at the time started chipping in, and we were intending it to be kind of like a Wikipedia for urban legends. Yeah. Not with the wiki part of everyone editing it, but just sort of this authoritative encyclopedia to urban legends, and that's why it was originally called the unwieldy urban legends reference pages, and... Urban reference... Um, urban legends
1: reference... Urban legends, urban reference, legends reference, reference pages. pages. U-L-R-P. U-L-R-P. Right. U-L-R-P. Yeah, that doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> no, it does not. Okay. So, I'm going to work so hard not to go down the rabbit hole of wanting to talk about Disney-specific stuff. I worked for Disney, uh, to mention working for big companies, and uh, love that kind of history. So we'll have to talk about that some other time, some other podcast. <laughs> so um, it kind of
2: quickly took a left turn, because as we were just discussing, this was... Way back before search engines, even when like Yahoo was hand compiling, yeah, just an
1: index directories
2: of websites and yeah. So it, Did
1: you get on that index? Yeah, yeah,
2: but you know it's all word of mouth really. But mm-hmm. it, it kind of quickly became this place where just everybody emailed anything questionable they came across on the internet or even in the real world, and so it was all the dying children uh, trying to collect the the largest number of business cards or birthday cards or Christmas cards and. Lots of computer <laughs> virus warnings, many of which were hoaxes and missing child appeals, many of which were hoaxes, you know, before there were kind of clearing houses for all that stuff, like right. there are now. It was just kind of and there was no
1: Wikipedia at the time. Right. So, so which came first, kind of the website format or the name Snopes?
2: Well, I started using the name Snopes way back in the pre-web
1: days. Okay. Well, yeah. What's the origin of this term? Snopes is the name of a
2: family of characters that appear throughout the works of William Faulkner. Oh. And that has absolutely nothing to do with anything other than just way back when I I was familiar with Faulkner's work. So I named my cat Snopes. I had (laughs) a personalized plate that said Snopes. And so my college roommates called me that. And when I started posting on the old news groups on the internet just thought there's, you know, whatever, 20 million Davids out there. Who's going to remember David? I need like a nom de net. So I started using Snopes and it really just worked out fortuitously. And now it's it's
1: become a verb.
2: Yeah. It's kind of like, is it Amazon or Google? It's short, it's catchy. It distinguishes you you from competitors because everybody else in our space is, you know, fact something or something check or Mm. truth something. And we're the one her not <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, we did a similar thing, at least with our podcast, that it's called Ono oh Ross and Carrie, because there's no indication from the name itself what the podcast is yes. about. So, yeah, Snopes itself at least has just become a, a household name. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so it wasn't anything to do with Snoops, uh, yeah. the character from The Rescuers, uh, which no. is what, what my crazy conspiracy-believing cousin Catherine calls it. She calls it Snoops.
2: Yeah. We actually did once get a cranky, irate email from someone who threatened to report us to the Faulkner Foundation or something. Oh, really? Apparently not realizing that there are a number of people in the world who actually have the surname Snopes. like he invented (laughs) it. It's not like we called ourselves Sherlock Holmes or something. As soon as
1: you settle with all of those families, uh, then you can come after me. Uh, (laughs) That's funny. It reminds me, I think it was Murray Gelman who named the quark after a James Joyce reference, you know, three quarks for muster mark so he made that his new uh, particle name. Anyways, well, you know what? Uh, To step back even a little bit farther, again, let's say somebody at this point is still not familiar with snopes they haven't been there uh-huh. the, what's the basic format so y- oh. you come to snopes if you've heard an urban legend or someone shares a claim that could be true or false yes and they get to see a synopsis telling them either it's true it's false it's mostly false somewhere in between and then an explanation right
2: yes i mean most of what we're doing these days unfortunately is political because that's what's consuming everyone in the era of fake news and yeah and, and post truth and all of that but lawyer so, work is cut out for you. Yes, so if you you know someone's forwarded you this screed about you know some company is funding you know genocide of gay people in uh, you know some African country or just something that sounds really you know, horrible or hard to believe or you know Nancy Pelosi is going to become vice president if Trump resigns or some vexing question right you know. and
1: so then somebody just has to on their online debate forum all they have to do is go to another tab and just type in Snopes and and. And then that key phrase, that company, and then they get a handy article. They read it very quickly. And then instead of them having to do a ton of research and share it with their crazy cousin, they just copy the link and say, please go read the Snopes article. So early on, how many of the articles were you writing? Was it all you or did you have co-writers from the beginning? No,
2: at the very beginning when it started, it was just me. Mm-hmm. I wrote all the Disney stuff and the, yeah. the first few categories. As I said, then my wife at the time, Barbara, started chipping in and writing. But I said we started this, you know, back in 1994. It wasn't until really about 20 years later. Oh,
1: that, um, very recently, <laughs> yes, relatively I, recently. I was
2: back to doing it, you know, on my own, and uh, you know, kind of hired a couple of contract writers, and then as the 2016 election proved to be like the most contentious in u.s history just kind yeah. of ramped up with you know more more writers uh, more editors
1: so maybe you can help me out is it true that the the pope endorsed donald trump for president <laughs>
2: it is not <laughs> it's not true At yeah. least not
1: the one in vatican city uh yeah how, how do you differentiate all of this language around fake news versus hoaxes or parodies? Uh, you know, how, yeah. how, how do you kind of internally classify all of these things?
2: Well, one is we we avoid the use of fake news really now. One, just because it's been completely co-opted. Right. It's really meaningless. It's kind of just like used like urban legend used to be. It's just a, a synonym for false or anything that you, don't, that they you don't, don't want like. to believe. Just call it, you know, fake news. Oh, yeah. So And also... News doesn't have to be fake to be misleading. Like you can create a 100% accurate article. That only tells one side of a story. You know, it's like imagine a, a criminal trial where the prosecution put on a case and it just stopped there and it went to the jury. The lies be, by omission. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be you know highly misleading. So fake doesn't cover it all. So we're still kind of calling it junk news. Although, mm. uh, you know, apparently our president has moved on to corrupt news. Corrupt media. <laughs> yeah, yes. We're, we're not quite calling it that yet.
1: Tell me a bit about your process. First of all, how does an idea become eligible for Snow? Is it a bunch of people submitting forms online saying, please uh, settle this for me? Or is it just something that you take interest in?
2: Now, our sort of topic selection methodology is we tackle whatever the most people are asking about or questioning at a given time um we do that through a variety of metrics what people are emailing us what they're searching for on our site you know what's trending on google what people are posting on our facebook pages uh you know what's what's you know on the front page of reddit kind of there's a whole lot of inputs that get synthesized and we don't make any judgments about you know, this stuff is too silly or obvious or unimportant mm. for us to cover.
1: You let the interest level kind of dictate. Yes,
2: exactly. And sometimes it's kind of distressing what people are interested in to the exclusion of things that are actually <laughs> more substantial issues. or important. Yeah, you know, it, it you know, it subjects us to a lot of criticism where people complain, oh, we're debunking obvious satire, but mm. trust me, there's nothing obvious out there. And if we're, if we're writing about it, it's because a whole lot of people had to ask about it because they didn't get it was satire.
1: Right. Well, what is the process then of doing the research? What are your go to sources? What do you trust? And how long does that take?
2: Well, Tough to answer that question anything but broadly Mm -hmm. in the breadth of stuff we cover. I mean, some stuff comes from sites that do nothing but just pump out fabricated stories. I mean, some of them call it satire, even though it's not. But you, you immediately know from the source... This isn't true. and It literally takes like five minutes to throw that together. You read
1: the Babylon Bee article and didn't get it, it was a joke.
2: Yeah, or you read The Onion or whatever. I mean, <laughs> you don't really need to see. Did The Onion slip up and publish a, <laughs> a real article today? Uh, we don't go there. Um, uh, some things like fake photos. It's still generally pretty easy to verify photos because if somebody's manipulated something, you can usually find the original. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to get... Probably harder and harder to do that as the so you'll, software improves. You'll do the
1: reverse image search yeah, then. And, um,
2: videos. Everyone's worried about deep fakes, right? We really haven't encountered that very much. I mean, videos tend, at least the ones we've encountered so far, tend not to be faked in the in the sense of digitally manipulated. More presented out of context or with misleading information. Like someone has a video clip of people protesting in the street, and it. Claims it's uh, Muslims in Michigan uh, protesting for the establishment of Sharia law. Mm. You look and in the background, like all the street signs and store signs are in French. Oh, probably not Michigan. (laughs) Right, maybe like Paris or somewhere like that. So, you know, those ones are usually a little easier. Uh, Most of other things, they're just some combination of standard journalism. And detective work, so mm-hmm. um you know it can just be as simple as looking up the text of a congressional bill and does it really say such and such or finding a transcript to determine if. Uh, you know, somebody really said whatever during a speech. Other things, we have to track down people. We have to get comment, you know, from the White House. Right. Find you'll, the people involved. And, do you know,
1: original research. Yeah,
2: a lot of things are, you know, somebody posts something outrageous on social media. Right, they bought a Snickers bar and it was full of maggots. You know, and you got to <laughs> <laughs> track them down and ask them, did you, you know, did you send this out to anyone for testing? You know, is the has the Mars company seen it? You know, those, those kinds of things.
1: Get their. Re- Reaction and uh, have you ever been thrown by someone you felt was giving you poor information?
2: Yes, Um, I don't know if I can think of a particular instance, but there have been a number of occasions when we really doubted that people were being
1: on the level with us. Mm -hmm. Yes, so So, uh, I mean you're doing all the due diligence that ideally all of us should do, but it's it's a bandwidth issue. You know, not everyone has the time to fully research all of these.
2: Well, like we just saw that ABC, you know, was in that big brouhaha because they ran a video of a Kentucky shooting range as, as if it were an attack in Syria, you know. Oh,
1: wild. I haven't even seen that yet. Seen that.
2: Oh, yeah. It was a you know, big story in the news the last few days. And that kind of just leaves us shaking our head because it's like... <laughs> Why would you run an unvetted video, especially because it's not that important, right? It's like an eight second clip of stuff blowing up. Surely you've got enough stock footage of Syria by now. This isn't really adding anything to the story. Why would you risk that? But sometimes, you know, even the big established news organizations just leave you shaking their head. There's always the possibility, <laughs> the distinct possibility that they were set up by somebody sent him a clip. You know, I'm a, you know, <laughs> I'm a, a refugee in war towards Syria. Look what's happening outside my window. Well,
1: you we know? hear about that all the time of, yeah. uh, even Congress members falling for you know, people impersonating yeah, uh, yeah, officials. Exactly. So it, and no one's perfect. Uh, I, I assume you aren't either. Yeah. You know, uh, have you found yourself having to update correct articles when you found, oh, this isn't the full story or the facts changed? Oh,
2: yeah, it happens
1: all the time. Um, and sometimes because people tell you stuff that's not
2: true, or not necessarily deliberately, but they, maybe they themselves didn't know the whole story, or mm. there are some important details that they didn't know that got left out, a lot of times things change. You know, Something that was not true at the time we wrote it later becomes true, and oh. you have to go and update <laughs> it. And it's always um, tricky to figure out which aspect of a story people are focused on. Because sometimes there'll be like five or six different elements to a story, and people are fixated on one, mm. and you address that part. Yes, this is true. And then you know, a year and a half down the road, they're fixated on some element of the story that's false. And so, so, do
1: we write a new one, or, or, or do we? Uh, yeah, and so like we, the old we change one.
2: the rating, then people go, "Ah, oh, see, you we're wrong." No, like, <laughs> no, no.
1: It's just the emphasis shifted. It's not like we you know blew the fact check. But. Fascinating. So I suppose this invites the question of, you know, who do you work for? I'm sure everybody, <laughs> I'm sure you've gotten many accusations. Yes. Uh, people probably have wild theories about you getting checks from George Soros <laughs> yeah, or what, <laughs> what have you. Or working for the Bilderberg family, trilateral commission. Yeah. yeah. The, uh,
2: what's the other one? The, um,
1: Skull and Bones no, at the, Harvard. Um, The Illuminati, of course.
2: No, no, it's uh, the... um... You don't
1: remember who you work for?
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because
1: they did this mine thing and
2: the... (laughs) Oh, man, it's one that always gets mentioned in that group,
1: I should know this too. Uh, let's see, the, the rich family is not the owned Rothschild. all the banks. No. The Rothschilds. Yeah, not the Rothschilds. Not the it's, Rothschilds. It's like okay. Oh, the Council of Foreign Relations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's hard to keep all these straight. Yeah. Everybody running the world. The, <laughs> so many masters. The deep state, indeed.
2: I will tell you a long time ago, way back probably in the 90s, when we were still urban legends reference pages and I I created this mythical organization called the San Fernando Valley Folklore Society because I used to send letters to celebrities to ask them about urban legends involving them and I thought they'd probably be more likely to respond if they thought this was coming from some sort of you know academic professional organization rather than some crank fan or something Mm -hmm. so I remember way back in the early days encountering an article, and I can't remember for the life of me where it was, but it was positing that the San Fernando Valley Folklore Society was really a front for Disney because they were debunking all these, you know, scurrilous rumors about Disney. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like so. From the very beginning, wow. we were apparently working for Disney. Now we're working for George Soros. You know, these are things you know, that the, are hard. The
1: Obamas, to... the Democratic National Committee, you know. the, the big pharma. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Monsanto. Yeah.
1: So, so are any of them cutting you checks, or have the Obamas I'm, been behind on payments? Yeah, I
2: wish. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I was. I'm, I'm disappointed to see that uh, George Soros is now, you know, funding you know, Greta Thunberg in Sweden, oh. spread the, you know, climate change propaganda and cutting into our revenue. All our money comes from either online advertising or, as you've probably seen lately, we've been, you know, soliciting user contributions, mm-hmm. but the only other sources we ever had, we, we got money from the James Randi Foundation one year, and... Um, you know, we worked with Facebook briefly, and that's about it. Well, you weren't
1: dropped off here by a helicopter, so... <laughs> I was not. Yeah, so, okay. that's An airplane. It. Oh, well, hey, was- all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's something. Coach. Offended. Commercial. Oh, hey, okay. <laughs> all right, well, then uh, I guess that dispels all of the uh, the myths of Uncle the... Uncle George won't even spring for business class. <laughs> Pick money.
0: David, Ross, I know that was quite a cliffhanger. Whatever it was you just said was so exciting... I just don't even know what's going to happen next, but I just wanted to give you a quick word from Squarespace. Now you guys know about Squarespace. It's one of the best websites there ever was, and it is it is the tool from which thou willst make other wonderful websites. It's the, 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 the ancestor website. The one that gives birth to all the other websites that you know and you love. Maybe you're an architect. Maybe you're a jewelry designer. Maybe you're a museum. Thank you for listening to this podcast, museum. And you're thinking, how am I going to let other people know about all the cool stuff I do? Ugh. And so you turn to Squarespace. You say, Squarespace, make me a beautiful website. I want to have a part in it. I want to have control. And yet, you know, maybe I'm not a professional designer. Maybe I'm a museum. How am I supposed to make a beautiful website? Well, Squarespace is for you. It helps you turn your dream from a great idea that doesn't have a website yet to a reality. You can create a beautiful website to blog, to publish any content you want, to promote your your business. Right Museum or to announce an upcoming event or a special project. there's so many things you can do, anything that you would want to do on the internet that's legal Squarespace will help you do it. Eh, They probably have more conditions than that, but still you get the point. Almost anything you could want to do, you can do there. And Squarespace gives you access to beautiful templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions, and 24-7 award-winning customer support. So if you start to make your pretty, pretty website for your museum, well, you are a museum, so for yourself, and then you're like, I've never done this. This is really overwhelming. I hope that a pro can really walk me through this process. They're there. They're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Test it. So check out squarespace.com slash Oh No for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code ONO oh to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And you know, while well, I have your attention, I want to talk about another one of my very favorite companies. You know it. You love it. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? It goes in your mouth. It vibrates up and down. It's Quip. That's right. If you ask your dentist, they'll tell you that better brushing is less about the brush and more about how you use it. And Quip knows that, right? They say, okay, listen, we want to make a beautiful electric toothbrush. But at the same time, we're not going to oversell it. We're not going to do a bunch of crazy gadgetry all over it and try to convince you that we do something special. We're still a freaking toothbrush. We're just going to be affordable, effective, fit in your pocket, have a nice little battery. It's perfect. And Quip was created by dentists and product designers to focus on helping you build better brushing habits. Quip has sensitive vibrations, it has a built-in timer, it vibrates just a little bit to let you know, okay, you can move on to the next quadrant of your mouth so that you can do the whole mouth in two minutes, which is what the dentist recommends, and Quip automatically delivers brush heads to you every three months, so you'll get your clean new bristles right on schedule, and all these thoughtful features make brushing something you actually want to do twice every day, or if you're me. Maybe more than that, because after you have a piece of bread, it just drives you crazy that there might still be biofilm on your teeth. You can carry your Quip around, it'll fit in your pocket, it's no problem. Quip starts at just $25, and you'll get your first refill free at getquip.com slash no. This is a simple way to support our show and start brushing better, but you have to go to getquip.com. Getquip. dot com slash oh no, o h n o to get your first refill free. So go right now to getquip. q u i p. dot com slash oh no! And back to Ross and David.
1: So do you have kind of rules that you set around the topics that you cover for Snopes, like certain things that just aren't within the purview of Snopes?
2: There are. A few, I mean, very few. Like, we won't address a rumor that a particular prominent person is homosexual. Oh, yeah. It's just not really...
1: Tom Cruise, do you care to comment? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really,
2: that's not yeah, not appropriate. Um, we don't generally deal with just celebrity gossip kind of rumors. I mean, one, just because they're extraordinarily hard to run the ground and... It doesn't really... And you don't thing. want
1: to become TMZ. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I have my friend runs Gossip Cop. Oh, know, yeah? <laughs> who does tackle all the tabloid stories okay. about celebrities.
1: Uh, so what, that, what about, like, religious claims? Would you go after something that's, like, within a religious text? I, I don't see Snopes doing yeah, that sort of thing. Kind
2: of, we don't really do, say, uh, the paranormal, because, again, it's really tough to... Prove or disprove, right? I mean,
1: oh, good. There's a reason for this podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's yeah. You, know, you can tell people, yeah, no such thing as ghosts, You'll know, stop bothering us. I don't think you're really going to convince anybody who really wants to believe in them. They're not gonna. They're not going to be satisfied by a lack of evidence being definitive. You know, so
1: fair enough. You know,
2: you know occasionally
1: we'll do like a video
2: that purports to show a UFO, but. We're not doing the whole UFO phenomenon.
1: Yeah. That, that was a question Carrie had for you. Is there anything that you've kind of wanted to write about or a topic that you've wanted to explore but thought, well, I would need a different platform for that? Yeah, kind of lots of the platform. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said you'd like to maybe uh, join one of those UFO conventions or something sometime. So uh, yeah. open invitation if you ever want to join us on one, one of those okay. investigations. Another question that Kerry sent along was that some people will say, OK, well, Snopes is a defender of the status quo. It's trying to keep people from thinking of big, bold new ideas or questioning what's out there. You know, what, what would you say to or what do you say to that sort of criticism?
2: Well, I'd say we're not really you know debunking or quashing any bold ideas most of what we do is actually pretty much people recycling the same you know old uh you know ideologies and prejudices that have been plaguing mankind for thousands of years really so i often say technology changes you know quite rapidly human nature not really so much so
1: so you're not in the business of uh, trying to shut down new thinking but just you know. finding good evidence for yeah, i mean it's not like we we're solve. out there
2: you know uh Criticizing Elon Musk or something. Oh, this stupid electric car idea! You
1: know,
2: <laughs> it'll never fly.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Very good. Do you do you get hate mail like people who write you angry things? Oh, all the time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, what form does that take, and and how does that affect you, or are you able to pretty easily, you know, chuckle and uh, delete?
2: Well, the the vast bulk of it is people who didn't actually read what we wrote. Shocking. So so they're they're, they're arguing about something that we didn't (laughs) say in the first place just because they presumed from a bit of superficial evidence that it contradicted something they wanted to believe and therefore it must be wrong and didn't actually read the substance of it. Again, people always pick on topic selection. That's one of the reasons why we have the methodology that we do. Just whatever people are asking about and don't work our own bias of deciding what's important into the mix. But it's often quite distressing to see the results of that, as in, you know, there's some dumb story out there about woman gives birth to litter of kittens in an elevator, you know, that millions of people looking for this. And, you know, there's a rumor out there that, you know, the chemical attack in Syria, you know, that civilians were killed. And who did this? Was it the government? Was mm. it Russia? Was it some outside grew was it you know uh... Um, some dissident group blaming it on outsiders. That's something that has a real-world effect. It's literally a matter of life and death. And yeah, you know, if it if it maybe if it made gasoline prices spike to eight dollars a gallon hmm. tomorrow, people would be interested in that. But no, they're focused on this woman and and the kittens, which Aww. really has no impact whatsoever in anyone's life. Well, I guess if a woman actually <laughs> kittens that'd be kind of a medical marvel. That's funny because
1: that. Yeah. The woman birthing rabbits is a very old one. Yeah, that's you know, true. Yeah. From the 1700s, I believe. Yeah, uh, and, and people will believe things like that. Actually, when I I posted a picture that we'd taken together here at the conference, and someone said, "Ask him about the the bag of leaves," I didn't even know what that was. Well,
2: Billy but... the Burlap Boy. <laughs> yeah. did, did you find that? On the yeah. Site? So
1: a pa- <laughs> yeah, that was very popular. Like... So he was grafted somehow to a bag of leaves. It
2: was. It was somebody. <laughs> as i mentioned earlier you know initially we were Why? debunking a lot of this you know dying child wants to collect the you know the largest amount of birthday cards or something and this, somebody kind of wrote this as a, as a parody of those medical appeals. Like, I, you know, I, I'm, I just have a burlap sack stuffed full of leaves for a body. Please forward this. And, you know, everyone will contribute five cents so I can get a real body. And, like, people would ask us about They would forward it. Is this true? Oh, my goodness. You know, There's this a boy named Billy who has a, a leaf-stuffed burlap sack so after you're for done torso. After you're yeah. done
1: smacking your forehead with your yeah. palm, you yeah. sit down and start writing the article. I
2: mean, we, we originally had a subcategory way back when called stupid stories where <laughs> stupid was spelled with three O's for, <laughs> for stuff like that and eventually it's like, no, nah, we can't really be that kind
1: of caustic. Ever, <laughs> have you ever been tempted to be snarky or caustic in your writing? Oh
2: yeah, we, we were kind of in the early days. Oh, okay. It was just kind of a hobby, but it's like everything else is it, you know, becomes makes money, becomes a business, becomes your livelihood, becomes a company with employees. It's like, squeeze this is all the fun out of it. You get farther and farther removed from what it is you're uh, to be doing. I'm a
1: respected information source now. I guess I have to be on the up and up.
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, people don't take kindly to uh, extreme amounts of sarcasm. On
1: the converse side, do you ever get letters from people who say, you know what? I really appreciate you setting me straight on this thing. Yes. Oh, good. Sometimes
2: there've been famous people we've written about, but you never know if it actually came from them or ah. somebody spoofing them. But yeah, a lot of times we've gotten um, you know sort of thank you emails from people because we help them avoid or recognize a scam or help them you know avoid buying something that was a ripoff or you know just falling for something that would really make people look kind of silly if they actually yeah. believed it.
1: Yeah, it's it's a public service that yeah. you, that you provide and. And it's amazing that the work of one person, largely two people over many years, uh, has had such an impact. But now you say there there is a staff. How many yeah. people do you have working on Snopes now?
2: I think it's 16 now. We, oh, wow. We just hired someone yesterday, as a matter of fact. So.
1: And I assume they don't all need to work together in an office building somewhere. This is work that can be done online. and
2: Right. We don't have any physical office anywhere. We all work virtually.
1: Is there kind of a, a giant collaboration board somewhere that just has a list of potential articles and people say, oh, I'll hop on that one. Oh, let me take this one. Yeah. In a, in a digital sense, yeah,
2: we've got a big table full of leads and they're prioritized and you know, editors assign them to writers. And you know, sometimes we have to reject stuff because it's just not the kind of thing that's possible to do.
1: What does your personal schedule look like? How much of your day is taken up by, say, writing versus other tasks?
2: Oh, I... Really, don't get a chance to write
1: very much huh, anymore. Okay. There's
2: just so many business and administrative things
1: to do. All those things you were talking about that take the fun out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Okay.
2: It's a, of course the question is, how much time do you spend working every day? Then my you know stock answer was always been you know every waking moment, but not a <laughs> bit more. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's one of those never-ending jobs. It's kind of like housework. You you never actually. Finish it. You just do it and then you start over
1: again. Just related to our podcast, we've done things like ear candling and the foot detoxes and uh, joining the Mormon church and Scientology, uh, various alien groups, etc. Do you have any favorite kind of superstitions, any that you kind of wish were true or sort of your go to? Superstitions, yeah, bigfoot, you know, anything that you oh. love to follow in terms of just seeing the news about it. Or, oh,
2: well, I wouldn't call Bigfoot a superstition, I guess. Do you just mean just kind of a topic in general, yeah. Well, sort of my favorite topic, I suppose, my topic area is like. Apocryphal broadcast legends, like all these, you know, risque moments and bloopers that supposedly happened on radio and television, because uh-huh. you know, just been doing them so long and have negated so many of them. But people swear that they've seen them because it's a recognized phenomenon that people will manufacture memories of things mm-hmm. that they didn't witness, but they've heard about so many times. Um, and somebody ran that experiment, like with the the I think like the uh, Disney characters at the Warner Brothers park or something. Oh, you remember that?
1: Int- yeah, yeah, where people remember these things that clearly couldn't have happened.
2: Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, and so I mean, and, and people are so incredibly detailed. Like, you know, oh, you're wrong. You know, Johnny Carson really did say that because I remember it was the show the night after I graduated from high school, and they have these very precise memories, and it's like.
1: Like Sinbad the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Right. Kind of like the, the Mandela effect. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: how often does Snopes delve into the Mandela effect and quash those particular memories?
2: Uh, not frequently, it pops up from time to it's time. It's Bernstein Bears. Yeah, exactly. Get over I mean, it. We did an article about the Mandela Effect in general, and yes, the Sinbad movie that that <laughs> doesn't exist that people remember seeing. Yeah, and the, yeah. I think the Bernstein Bears is mentioned in our page on the Mandela Effect because that's a big one for people everywhere. Amazing. I mean, I probably would have sworn, yeah, it's the Bernstein Bears. Yeah. But, uh, oh,
1: yeah, I've definitely fallen for some of
2: those myself. Know. So, yeah, some of those... So anyway, some of those broadcast legends, it's just uh, they're kind of my favorites because it's just like, these are things you know could never possibly have aired, <laughs> you know, and people still swear that they saw them. And you know, all the time we get people sending us email, oh, you know, no, it really happened. It's on, you know, uh, such and such a DVD. And I used to spend my time tracking these down. Oh, wow. And. Finding, no, there's nothing like that on this DVD. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to bother anymore. Because if it were out there, we'd have heard from more than one person by now. I assume you know the one about like Johnny Carson and Josh Zsa Gabor. Zsa Gabor, supposedly, was a guest on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And for some improbable reason, she brought her cat with her. Had it sitting on her lap throughout the interview. And at one point... She said to Johnny in like the world's most perfect setup line, would you like to pet my pussy? And Johnny (laughs) responds, I will if you move the damn cat. (laughs) Now, now here's the the funny part. I mean, this gets even worse than people swear that they've seen this. I mean, you know, that could never have possibly have aired on network TV. (laughs) In fact, people usually tell it like, oh, I remember watching it. And then the, the screen immediately went black. Like the Tonight Show was never aired live. It's not like there's somebody <laughs> sitting on. Oh, oh man! Yeah. Now that it's too late, we got to cut Five the show. Five second off. delay. Yeah, but um, the thing is, you could kind of tell the age of of the people relating the story because it would be Josh Gabor or Raquel Welch or Anne Margaret or you know the the starlet varied. Sometimes Jane Fonda, right? So in the the waning days of the Tonight Show, Jane Fonda was a guest. At one point, she said to Johnny, I have to ask you something. My son told me this story. And she tells the whole story about Jaja oh. and the cat. Oh, okay. And Johnny reacts like he's never heard this story before. And he says, no, I think I'd recall that. <laughs> so it was, people usually claim like there was a lawsuit and so they have to deny it and all this. But the salient point is we turn that into a video clip of Jane Fonda asking him that. And Johnny's saying, no, it never happened. Mm. We embedded that in our article yeah. about this rumor.
0: I got to ask you something. Sure. Last night, my son, uh, you know, you were talking about Jaja Gabor earlier. Yeah, I get, and everybody's talking my about My son t- said, you know, she was on Johnny Carson's show one time. She came there with a cat on her lap. And she said to you, do you want to pet my pussy? <laughs> My son said that you said, uh, I'd love to if you'd remove that damn cat. (laughs) (laughs) Is it true? I, I tell you, I... Is it true? No,
2: I think I would recall that. People will go to that page and read the article and email us from that page and say, No, this really happened. I saw it, but you're wrong. It wasn't Jaja Gabor, it was Jane Fonda. Uh. It's like, You just saw a clip of (laughs) Jane Fonda asking him, Did this ever happen? (laughs)
1: <laughs> like, Never underestimate like, the power of human stupidity. What
2: level of evidence <laughs> is required here? I, you know, I give up. <laughs>
1: That's what, sometimes the story is just too good and uh, the evidence doesn't matter, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know,
2: ghosts. I, you know. <laughs> it's
1: well, I've got to ask them, what is your favorite of the Disney hidden messages? The, uh, you know, supposed or sometimes actual, you know, oh. hidden
2: there's uh, any hidden messages, yeah well
1: subliminal things or or something that someone just snuck in and got away with
2: well, I suppose one of the favorites because it's true is when somehow and however managed to sneak those couple of frames of a topless woman into and the, the rescuers, rescuers. yeah <laughs> the original yep because <laughs> it's there plain as day it's not like the Jessica Rabbit with no underwear thing where it's an animated character and who knows what <laughs> right it's not really anatomically correct how anyway. much of that is just
1: your fevered <laughs> imagination yeah, uh, young yeah, teenage that. boys watching the, the film in slow-mo
2: yeah that one's there plain as day so
1: didn't think you'd be getting two rescuers references did you audience <laughs> okay Okay, yeah, I, that would have been the first one that would come to mind. Of course, there's the infamous Little Mermaid. Yeah, uh, yeah,
2: that's the one I was thinking of, too, because yeah. that's kind of where it all started. That was, was kind of current at the time that we started the site. Yeah, uh,
1: now we don't let anything get through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned briefly that you've been asking for some fundraising. I know yeah. uh, Snopes has been under some, some legal rigmarole lately. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, but maybe you can just tell people how Snopes is looking forward toward the future and how they can help.
2: Uh, well, and historically, we've always been supported by online advertising. That's getting increasingly difficult for all online publishers because uh, everyone's competing for the same advertising pie. And a whole lot of that pie is being eaten by scammers and fake news people. Right. Um, so like a lot of other you know, digital publications, we've been working on public donations and contributions, uh, you know, setting up a subscription model, getting merchandising together. So you know, some of that we've launched. We have a little bit of merchandising going right now Oh yeah! Shirts, All like right, you can get your own <laughs> Snopes shirt. Yeah, this is the one we one of the ones we sell. Uh, you know, we he's got a shirt. Hashtag
1: Did you Snopes that? Yes. Yeah,
2: so uh, we're hoping to expand those offerings. As I said we're hoping to get into the you know subscription only premium content biz. Oh, okay. And, um, of course, is that anyone who wants to contribute and help us out, we've got a GoFundMe. We've got uh, you know PayPal links on our sites. We're always grateful for any support.
1: Excellent. And as the the future unfolds, you said right now you're embroiled in so many political stories just because it's a a lie a minute uh, from the current administration. Do you look forward to a future where things maybe settle down a bit? And what do you hope to do when that happens?
2: Well, I I do kind of miss the, you know, early days when we were doing fun stuff, you know, urban legends, things hidden in, in Disney movies. Yeah. Like it's all still on the site, but it's really not, you know, our emphasis anymore. Back in the days when we could just choose things because they interested us, you know, because we were a public service kind of.
1: Excellent. Well, uh, is there any other way other than uh, supporting and using Snopes, uh, any other way that people can follow you online or or kind of support what you do?
2: Of course, we have Facebook page and a Facebook group um, that people can join. Well, I think we're pretty shortly going to be. You know, we used to have a kind of thriving message board community um, mm-hmm. attached to our site that kind of <laughs> was made dormant by the advent of Facebook. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I think we're we're kind of planning on, on reinstating that. And, oh, good. Okay. And to one of our you know, our own owned platform again.
1: Excellent. And, well, I know uh, the Independent Investigations Group a few years back uh, gave you an award for Snopes and, and all the excellent work you've done to increase public standards of evidence. We appreciate that as, as a member of the IIG, but also if, uh, oh no, Ross and Kerry, if we had an award, you'd win it too, because uh, we really appreciate all that you do.
2: Oh, well, you could nominate us for a
1: Nobel. Okay. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right. I mean, Everybody write the Nobel Committee.
2: Barack Obama can win one, and <laughs> Donald Trump can be nominated for one. We should be up
1: there. You, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Ono, Ross, and Kerry. Uh, delight to, to meet you, the face behind Snopes.com, and to get to talk to you. Great. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun.
0: Well, that's it for our show for now. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. This episode was edited by Ross Blotter. And you can find us on social media. Go to Twitter and find us at Ono Podcast. Go to Facebook and find us at facebook.com slash onrack. Maybe go to our our website at Maximum Fun, maximumfun.org. And that's also where you can support this and all our investigations and interviews. Just go to maximumfun.org forward slash donate and become a member. It's a great way to support us and to support the network that makes our show Possible. If you want to hear more from David Mickelson, he's on Twitter at David Mickelson, D-A-V-I-D, M I K K E L S O N. Or just follow the Snopes account at Snopes. And remember.
2: We'd like everyone to learn and engage in critical thinking, but when you just don't have the time, Snopes.com is out there for you.
1: Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Graham. And we're two house DJs who have been trapped inside our drum machine. We love it here, and we'd love if you stopped by and visited us every week on On Stop Stop Podcasting Podcasting Yourself here on MaximumFun.org. We're just a couple of doofuses from Canada. And listen to our show or perish. (laughs) Stop podcasting yourself (laughs) on MaximumFun.org.